From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains Live. There is a lot at stake this election season, and we want to use it as a way to highlight how the left's radical agenda is infiltrating almost every aspect of our lives. One of those is parental rights. We've heard the stories about gender-affirming care being taught in schools, critical theory, and even guidance counselors discussing transition surgeries with our young students without consulting parents. The left is on the move, and we wanted to go through some of the ways to push back. On this episode of Heritage Explains Live, we're joined by Dr. Jay Richards. He's the director of the DeVos Center here at the Heritage Foundation. And on this episode, he goes through all of the stakes this November, what we need to know, and the best ways for all of us to stand up for our kids and our parental rights. All right, let's roll it, John Pop. Well, if you're a parent or want to be a parent one day like me, or let's say you're neither, but you care about the future of this nation, this Heritage Explains Live is for you. My name is Tim Desher, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Heritage Explains Live is always the move. I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Dr. Jay Richards. Now, Jay, I'm just so glad you're here. It's been a fun time traveling around the country with yeah. you, speaking all over the place, looking, yep. seeing what's going on. You've been there in the trenches. You see what's going on. So it's really great. Thank you for being oh, here. Oh, yeah, Tim. Good to be with you. Well, let me just say this. I, we, we are The goal here is to, is to expose and then figure out a way to push back mm -hmm. against the left's insane agenda that does nothing but erode our right to protect our children right. and raise them as we desire, not as the radical leftists do. So yeah. today, you know, we're using this election season as a way of highlighting all of the radical left's agenda and how that could play out after November, if their policies are implemented. Mm -hmm. So, Jay, they're using every means possible, mm -hmm. radical candidates, radical ballot initiatives, uh, changes to the state constitutions, school boards, county commissioners, everything is fair game right now. Yep. It's a huge season. And as we do on Heritage Explains Live, always, folks, we are driven by you. So if you are seeing any of that right now, we want to hear it. We want your questions. We want your comments. And Jay is perfectly poised to answer those questions and comments. <laughs> and I am perfectly poised to read them to you so you can. So folks, I, I really appreciate you getting them in. If you hear something, let us know who you are, where you're typing from, and uh, let us into your world as well. Jay, start us out. When we mm. use the term parental rights, I'm... I, I want you to define yeah. that for me so we know the, the field that we're playing on. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. when Americans think of rights, we tend to think of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, these things that we all share simply by virtue of being human. Yeah. Parents' rights talk about this specific subset of rights that we have by virtue of this unique relationship that parents have to their children, biological children primarily and adopted uh, children secondarily. We all know this intuitively. We know mm -hmm. that, look, uh, if this is your child, you have a prerogative, 
you get to decide how the child is going to be raised, uh, the type of school he's going to be in, what he's going to be taught. That doesn't mean you have the right, of course, to abuse him or anything like that, but you have this unique set of rights and responsibilities to raise and to teach your children. Now, we talk about this now, not because somebody just invented this term last week, <laughs> but because it's now contested. Right. You don't do rights talk, you know, if everybody agrees on something. And this is intuitively obvious to most people. Right. But very recently, unfortunately, the state, and in particular the state in the form of schools, has come between parents and their children. And so we need to reassert the importance of this idea of parental rights, which actually is in case law. We This is this is well established in American law, but it's not something, honestly, we've bothered to talk about until recently because it's being contested. Talk a little bit about how this is the, the, the left's play, especially in terms of this November. Mm. What are some of the things that they're doing right now that we need to be aware of? Well, you mentioned some, yeah. so, uh, there are a lot of state initiatives. So in, because of the Dobbs case, which actually involved abortion this summer, uh, Michigan is pushing a referendum. It's basically a change to the state constitution that would, it looks like it's just reasserting Roe v. Wade, but it actually goes be, way beyond that. Yes, it would establish abortion on demand for any reason for all nine months of pregnancy, but it also creates this vague reproductive right, inalienable oh, reproductive right that everyone has. And so it has all these weird implications. So for instance, if two gay men are in a relationship and want children, well, if you have a right, a reproductive right to have children, mm -hmm. this could there could actually be this implication that men would have a right to pay a surrogate to gestate and, and bear their child. That sounds strange and far afield from Roe v. Wade, and it is, but if you look at the way the Dems that are pushing this in Michigan have framed it, they framed it to be maximal. So you're gonna be dealing with surrogacy, you're gonna be dealing with gender ideology, gender surgery, as well as abortion. That's just one of several examples in some of the purple and blue states. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen California, they're doing their yep. own stuff. And, and, and the, the concern is really that this is now gonna serve as a model for all the states in the region around it. And we yep. know that as, as things work, you know, um, there's the potential of people crossing into Michigan to yes. take to take advantage of these rights. You know, they say, oh, you know, Ohio, they're gonna they're gonna come up to Michigan and and and, and do this. So it's an, a, a really bad precedent to set. Just uh, continue with this radical yeah. agenda. Now you've been covering things um, in schools as well. We've mm -hmm. we've heard about um, puberty blockers. We've been yep. hearing about you know the the radical agendas that were were being taught. We're seeing these books and libraries. Oh yeah. Talk a little bit more about that as a strategy. Is that is that something written down? Is that something that where where did where does the left get this from? Well, they get it. I mean, ultimately, there's this philosophical move afoot that we mm. call it gender ideology, and it's basically this idea: is that the idea of biological sex of the sexual binary that we're just male or female, yeah. right? Yeah. Most people assume this. All times and places, all cultures, all religions. Gender ideology says, well, no, the the sexual aspects of your body is not fundamental to who you are. What's fundamental to who you are is this internal subjective sense mm. called gender identity. And so this is why, rather than saying, okay, I have a girl here, I'll call her she, you 
ask her for her pronouns because she has to tell you what her gender identity is. Now, this is actually very far afield. Most Americans are just now becoming aware of this. Mm. This stuff's been working its way into our institution for years. As you said, we've got, we've got elementary school books that are already in libraries, already adopted, already being used. They had to plan that out five or 10 years in advance. It's just that it's broken out into public consciousness in the last couple of years. And I honestly think this will be the main front in the battle over parents' rights in 2023 mm. will be around these questions of gender ideology. Well, folks, uh, we, we you are watching from all over all over the country and all over the world. Actually, looks like we have a a viewer watching from Australia. I wonder what's going on there mm. right now. Thanks so much for being with us all the way down there. They're on Getter. Actually, we've got a great following on Getter, <laughs> folks. Thank you so much, YouTube, Facebook. You're all over the place, and we're so glad you're here. If you got questions, feel free to get them in as we kind of get into this issue here. We're happy to take them from you and for you. Talk a little bit about some of what's happening in terms of a push back that we're seeing. Yeah. You mentioned Arkansas a little bit earlier. Right. What, what, do you, what do you see there? Is that a model to follow? What, what else is out there? Well, if you look at a state responses on the pushback on so-called gender-affirming care, yeah. which is the, yeah. the term, the, the euphemism that refers to this pathway that starts with social transition and pronouns, then it moves to puberty blockers if the child is young enough, then cross-sex hormones, and then finally actual transition surgery, right? That's the sort of pathway. And so states are looking at this aghast and state legislature are responding in different ways. Uh, now, we don't endorse uh, bills, obviously, and candidates right. at, Her right. at Heritage, but in terms of describing what makes sense constitutionally, I think the Arkansas response makes the most sense at th mm -hmm. this moment because it prohibits these procedures for minors, but it does not criminalize them. What it mm -hmm. does is it creates what's called a private right of action, which basically gives a child the right to sue a doctor or a gender clinic and then extends the statute of limitations for malpractice for 20 years past the 18th birthday of that okay. child. So you, you think you're a 16-year-old girl, you're having gender dysphoria, your gender clinic tells you, well, we just need to give you cross-sex hormones and we're going to re remove your breasts. And then when you're 25, you're mad about it, right? You want to know, okay, who do I sue? You actually need legal grounds to do that. So that's mm -hmm. what Arkansas has done. We're going to say okay. we're going to prohibit these but not criminalize them and then empower the people who are the primary victims to do something about it. Now, I mentioned that. I, th I think it's probably the best way to respond to it at the moment at the state level. But actually, it's we're in the middle of a circuit court two-week trial for right. this so that was brought by two parents uh, and two interested Physician party. So, so that's my next question here. And by the way, I just got a comment here from Dennis in West Virginia. He says, and this is, you probably never heard this before, but Dennis says, finally, somebody with some common sense. <laughs> that's really good. Because you go all around the country and people kind of, you know, I, I made the joke that if you go to a, a left-wing state, you know, they, they start a customs for people to get in after you. Yes, exactly. We're going to be in Vermont next week. Yeah. Maybe the last time. Maybe the last time you'll ever be there. So Dennis, thank you so much for watching there in West Virginia. But, but just talk, please, for me. I, I want you to continue to go on this pathway of mm -hmm. of 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 pushback. How but I think part of pushing back is exposing. Absolutely. And and how can parents where they are right now figure out where those areas that they need to expose and yeah. then begin to take back their rights. How do they go about doing that? Well, it's going to it's going to start in schools. As I mentioned, there's okay. this this pipeline, the kind of school to sterilization pipeline. It almost always starts in schools. If you don't know what's happening in your kids' schools, whether it's public or private, probably isn't good. And you might think, well, I'm in a private Christian school. That that doesn't guarantee anything. Find out exactly what's in the curriculum and find out what's in the the unofficial 
superficial stuff, the stuff that is reaching your children. Go to the library, look at the, the books that are on display and are in the shelves, right? Because uh, remember, kids are a cap captive audience. And this is where most of this stuff starts. So kids are getting this from social media and social media influencers. So that sort of comes from above. And then it comes from below in schools in which their authority, their authority figures start by simply asking them their pronouns. I mean, this seems subtle, but if you ask a small child for her pronouns, hmm. what are you implying? You're implying that there could be a separation, a space between her sex and her, her gender or her gender identity. You're essentially, that's the first step in the catechesis to gender ideology. And so huh. schools are asking little kids their pronouns. Uh, there are You're already in trouble. And so the first thing is to find out what's actually happening. And very often, schools don't want to tell you. And in so some like, states, they don't have to. So you can go to a PTA meeting? Is that, is that yeah, how you Yeah, you can go to it? a PTA meeting. You can go to the school board. You can actually just go to your school's principal. You can start with all of those things. And you huh. very quickly will find out uh, if they're up to no good. Because huh. if, if they're not wanting to tell you, they're up to no good. And that tells you more or less what you need to know. I can see that um, happening all over the country right now. We saw in um, an uprise a little bit. We're going back to Michigan mm -hmm. and Dearborn, yeah. where we've got um, parents, both Muslim, Christian, joining together. Yes. Pushing back against it. Now, these aren't typically, you know, uh, from, from this area in Michigan, where I'm, I'm from there, so I understand yeah. where it is. This isn't typically a really conservative area. This is simply a... Parents are really upset right now. Oh, absolutely. Talk a little bit more about the sense that you're gaining out there as people come awake to yeah. this. Just give us a little bit of a sense. Again, you're all over the place. So oh, yeah. Better, and yeah. what you're describing actually in Dearborn is a perfect example because, again, it's not traditional Bible Belt. It's a yeah. lot of Muslims if you look at the video footage, right? But that's, that's uh, first of all, that's not surprising to me that uh, that Muslims uh, would not, not like their young children being sexualized by right. gender ideologues, right? So this no one should be surprised by this. But what is, I think, really important is that at the moment this is a partisan issue in the sense that it's the Democratic left that's pushing this stuff. Yeah. and Republicans and conservatives to, to the degree that they're willing to and have the spine or, or pushing against it. There's no reason ultimately this has to be partisan. In fact, I hear from parents in places like New York whose kids go to private schools mm. uh, who get really upset when they find out their kids are getting bombarded with these ideologues. And I honestly think 10 years from now, the left may look back at this moment and say, okay, the big mistake we made was to come between parents and their children because that makes everyone mad. And look, even if you're a liberal Democrat, Democrat and an atheist, you also have rights as a parent hmm. that are being violated here. Hmm. When, when we talk about some of these um, left-wing uh, leaning states yeah. um, and, and we see some of the policies that they've been able to get through that really push back against and, and infringe on our rights as parents, mm -hmm. What would you say the best step is to do that? Is it to go to the state capitol? Is it to run, you know, to do a school board run? Is it to, yeah. how, I, I want to get more into how in a left-leaning state, because we've got a lot of people that we watch do. us from left-leaning states, left-wing states, blue states, um, that are very active in pushing back on this. I want to empower parents more. Are there resources out there that they can surround themselves with? G give us a little sense for that. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. one, one organization that is really great actually is new organization called Moms for Liberty that's oh. pushing back uh, at the school board level. In fact, they organize by county because this, the reality is that the left has been smart. When the conservatives tend to focus on the Supreme Court and national elections. Right. The left focuses on dog the dog catcher, yeah. right? They focus on the school boards. And so you can be in a deep red state and yet 
every member of a local school board will be way over on the radical sexual left. And mm -hmm. so honestly, focusing on what's happening in your school district is in many ways the best thing that can happen because uh, first of all, most parents don't actually know what's happening uh, in their school districts. Most parents, unless they see something terrible when their kids are on Zoom, assume that everything is fine. Um, and I, so I think we're at this, this weird moment on this issue in which a large number of Americans are going to suddenly become aware of what's happening, they're going to become outraged. Hmm. And so I look at that as a sort of time window. We want we want to channel that outrage into something that's honestly productive and that it shuts this stuff down and to do it quickly enough that people don't get used to this. Because right. as crazy as this stuff looks right now, if this happens for five years and we're bombarded with it, we'll become accustomed to it. Right, right, right. Now, as we see, and you mentioned, uh, we know uh, Tiffany Justice from Moms for yeah. Liberty. They're doing a lot of great work. That's, that's something that we can actually link to maybe Phil, Phil can link to that. We're doing a lot of work uh, here at Heritage to kind mm -hmm. of tell stories with this. And Absolutely. I want to give a plug, folks. Um, if you kind of want to see what an unchecked governing body at a local <laughs> level can do, and even at a state level, we, we just made this documentary mm -hmm. covering a, a small town in, West, uh, in, in, um, in Vermont. Yeah. Great documentary on sort of this, this eroding of, of our rights as parents to give our kids a fair education. This particularly deals with, and maybe you could talk a little bit yes. about this, in schools having males compete in female sports. That's right. And this this is the kind of presenting symptom, males competing against females in sports, and then males being in girls' bathrooms and in locker rooms. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people, honestly, <laughs> until day before yesterday, we, we all know why we segregate sports by sex. That's, that's what makes it fair. The last 50 years, growth in women's sports, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so if males, simply by identifying as female can then compete again in female sports. It's not clear why we're segregating the sports. And then you have them going into locker rooms. I don't need to yeah. go into detail why that should be outrageous. That can only happen because of how deeply gender ideology has worked its way uh, into our institutions. And then, mm -hmm. and then the girls that object, of course, end up getting badgered and getting punished and disciplined. Now, mm -hmm. even as outrageous as that is, in some ways, this is the thing that I hope will wake people up. But the boys competing against girls in sports is one thing. Girls having their breasts removed and being sterilized as minors, that's something that's civilizational and that we all need to wake up to. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm thinking about it here. And by the way, we've got people from all around the country watching. Sandra's uh, on Facebook watching in mid-Michigan. Sandra, you're in the middle of it right now with Proposal 3. We know mm -hmm. that. Uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, communicating what you hear today to your friends and telling your friends to communicate it as well. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing to educate on. Propo Proposal 3 goes far beyond abortion. I'll just say that. Yeah. It goes to everything. All these rights that we're talking about, it's a big one and it's ground zero right now. So uh, uh, thank you, Sandra, for being here and educating yourself on it. Jay, I, I, I hear you talk about just, it's, it seems to me the term is like, is mutilation, mm -hmm. cutting breasts off. I mean, yeah. this, this is incredible that we're putting this in our child's heads at such early right. ages even normalizing yeah. this this behavior we're talking about is this a part of curriculum in in certain oh absolutely or is this absolutely. just thrown in on comments i, I mean a, lo a lot of it is thrown in so okay. even in states like like uh, florida which last year passed the parental rights and education bill so that there's transparency a lot of this stuff was happening in in florida districts as well <sighs> kids have this stuff introduced sometimes as young as kindergarten very idea right that they their their body might be discordant with their gender identity and that the best 
thing is to, to transform their body to conform to what's inside their heads. This is everywhere. I mean, let me give you, Tim, one statistic. So in the UK, which has basically one gender clinic, from 2009 to 2019, the percentage of youth presenting with these symptoms and being referred to the Tavistock Clinic increased by 44 hundred percent in one decade. So this is why it's obvious we're dealing with a social contagion. We're not just dealing with, you know, yesterday's uh, rare cases of gender dysphoria. We're, we're dealing with a, an idea, kind of mind virus that's spread by social media and also spread, unfortunately, by our educational system. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it's just, it, it's gut wrenching it to think about, to think about the things that we have to be exposed or kids are being exposed to at such early ages. Nathan's on YouTube. Uh, he says, hope you're doing well. He says, I got a question. All right. <laughs> so do I, Nathan. <laughs> I got lots of questions. Um, since most parents with common sense and traditional values, aside from homeschooling, would charter schools be a viable option? Is it dependent on state? Mm -hmm. I think I think the question in general goes yeah. to what are the alternate options here? Yeah, you know? absolutely. I do think that school choice in general, if dollars attached to the kids rather yeah. than the systems, that's going to empower the parents. And so the parents are going to be shopping around, I think, more discerningly. Right now, look, for most people, uh, they're just simply sending their kids to the, to the neighborhood school. So choice right. would be huge. But choice doesn't replace discernment. You still have to look at where you're sending your kids. And so it's not like private schools are immune to this. In fact, some of the most prestigious private schools, if anything, are more woke on these things uh -huh. than the average public school. Now, if you're at a uh -huh. small independent classical school, for instance, you're probably fine. But honestly, what you want to do is just find out what the heck is being taught at the school that you choose. Mm -hmm. But all things being equal, it's better if there's transparency and choice and education. And any place we can have that, that's a good thing. And and having those conversations, there's nothing shameful about it. No. That's, oh, absolutely that's just, not. That's just basic. I mean, yeah. that's, that is okay to ask those questions. And, and I think you said it earlier, you'll know very quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, all you, you have to do is say, do you think boys and girls exist? Are boys different from girls, right? I mean, yeah. they're either going to say yes or no, or or if they need to clear their throats and give you an overly nuanced answer, right? You're like, okay, that's what you need to know. <laughs> Thank we'll, you. We'll look at the other options. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Uh, Tom on YouTube, what legislative initiatives are at play that will restrict parents from being allowed to have elective surgical procedures? on their children. Okay. So, well, um, there's You're several. Yeah. So one in Arkansas that I mentioned, uh, one in Alabama that's being litigated right now, actually. And so in Alabama, they, they made it a classy felony. It got to a judge and a judge oh. said, well, okay, we've got the Alabama legislature on one side and I've got these medical organizations like the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is an advocacy organization on the other, but they look medical. And so the judge said, well, we don't seem to be able to do this. So that's going to get litigated. Texas, the attorney general determined that these procedures would constitute child abuse, but that got struck down by the Texas, basically oh. struck down by the Texas Supreme Court. Uh, and so this is why approaching this legislatively in the right way makes it all the difference. And so really what I think is combine what's happened in Florida, the, that were transparency and accountability and choice in education, mm -hmm. uh, have your Department of Health, your state Department of Health or Board of Health needs to issue their own report huh. on the evidence against these these treatments. And then the legislature needs to do something like what Arkansas did. Uh, because, look, we have a constitution. We have kind of legal rules that need to be followed. And so the temptation is that intuitively you just want to stop this stuff. Yeah. It's like, look, this is obviously abusive. It's terrible. Let's stop it. But it, we still have to handle this at the moment at the right way, legislat legislatively in states. And so that's why 
kind of a combination of what Florida and Arkansas are doing are at the moment, I think, probably the, the safest routes. Thank you for that. Very, yeah. very good clarity. Um, we had we had a, a comment here, which I think is important. It says, can homeschoolers speak out and have a voice in our public school system? Um, and, and so I wanted to just talk in general. I think that's mm-hmm. a good question, but also... Yeah. Homeschooling is such a um, a a force and a yes, model that I think is. Is, is marginalized through, you know, maybe maybe uh, school professionals that might mm-hmm. not agree with the fact right. that they can't control parents' children yeah, in the absolutely. classroom. Talk a little bit about how homeschool can impact this. Oh, it's powerful. And I mean, look, I'm I'm a homeschool partisan. We homeschooled our daughters mostly, uh, mostly homeschool, a little bit of private school. Okay. Uh, absolutely believed in it. So we it, set you up for this. Yeah, one. we set okay. me exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much Thank for that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for but, the viewer it, on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, and so great. those of you that can do it, it's great. Don't yeah. worry that you can't do it because when they get to high school, you create co-ops with other homeschool families and mm-hmm. you just find the physicists, find the chemists, find the mathematician in your crowd. And they do that. Mm-hmm. They work really, really well. You get a lot more time with your kids. No one ever in, ends this saying, gosh, I wish I'd spent less time with my kids. And ideally, if you do it right, you can inoculate your kids against this stuff by exposing them to it, but at the right dose hmm. and at the right time so that they actually, because they're going to get out in the world and have to deal with this stuff. But it's much better that you are able to control that when they're young than to just sort of throw them to the walls. That's incredible. Uh, Linda's on Facebook watching, wait, from upstate South Carolina. I didn't know there was an upstate South Carolina. <laughs> as, but opposed I guess to, as opposed to the low country. As opposed to the, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see, the, see how little I know about this country. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Linda, thanks so much for watching. Appreciate you being here with us. Talk a little bit, Jay. We have a, mm-hmm. a, a, a Facebook viewer that, that asked, what have you seen in education that's been most helpful yes. to you in this issue? Well, honestly, parents educating themselves and helping to expose what's happening at school boards, being brave, being willing to talk about it privately. I can tell you there are a lot of parents that want to tell you these things, but they don't want to tell you where they are. Um, I understand that individually, but if everyone does that, then we don't have anyone actually sort of stepping up. And so honestly, if you're in a position to be able to talk about it publicly, uh, the stuff that Moms for Liberty is doing in which to run for school board, uh, you know, that's, look, everybody that runs for school board, you often will meet the people that do this. They'll often say, well, I'm just a mom. Hmm. Well, you're just a mom that cares about your kids and other people's kids. And so you're putting your life on the line effectively and your career on the line to do this. Hmm. Do that. I honestly think there are uh, major inroads to be made just at the school board level. Don't always imagine it's going to happen at the state legislature or at the federal government. Uh, it's funny you should say that because we have Rebecca here in mm-hmm. California, says California Policy Center and Parent Union. Rebecca says, district near me just approved boys in girls sports in our schools. They said CIF guidelines. This is insane. Yeah. On the front lines there, Rebecca is. Absolutely. I mean, this is California. And I mean, we mentioned California a minute ago, but I hadn't mentioned what's happening. So Governor Newsom just passed a law to turn their state into a gender transition surgeries magnet state. And so effectively what it does is, is if a minor can get to that state, a judge can essentially, the state will take temporary custody of that child, take it away from the actual parent in Arkansas or South Carolina so that that child can start cross-sex hormones and uh, even gender transition surgery. This is happening in the state of California. You want to talk about an attack on uh, the parents' rights of the parents in the other 49 states? This is it. And so I, my heart goes out to people that are actually in that state. Yeah. Re- Rebecca followed up, same California yeah. story here. She says, what role do teachers unions have in all of this? They're the major players in it's all amazing. this, and it's they're amazing. just completely Jay. on the wrong side on this. They're it's just amazing. bad. This is why choice is so absolutely 
crucial to this mm -hmm. because it's going to break the uh, teacher union monopoly. But these public employee unions in general are bad, but teachers unions are the worst of the worst. And that's why, uh, mm -hmm. look, don't, don't imagine you're going to change the union's minds. We just have to limit their power over our kids. Well, as we are wrapping up here today, Jay, I want you to just leave us with some final thoughts as we get closer to November of all that's no. at stake, all those things. But I wanted to say that not only do we have some folks watching in Australia, we also have a good friend, our good friends in Somaliland. Awesome. Muhammad is on. I bet you they take their parental rights pretty seriously there in Somaliland. So, Muhammad. Yep. Thank you so much for being here, for, for uh, watching Heritage Explains Live. But just leave us with some last words yeah, as we I, go here. Honestly, yeah. I think this is very depressing, this yeah. subject. And I do this all the time. I spend 24-7 when I'm early <laughs> and I'm awake thinking about it. Uh, but here's the good news. This stuff is so crazy. It's so contrary to reality. It's so contrary to people's basic instincts as parents yeah. that I'm actually really optimistic five or 10 years out mm. that we're going to win this. But what we want to do is we want to try to find a way to win it before we have 50 or 100,000 kids' bodies uh, who have been maimed as a result of this. I really want to stop it before we get to the massive class action lawsuits. Well, Jay, you did it and you looked great doing it. I mean, it, which is great. It's a double whammy, a double <laughs> double punch. You look great doing it. I want to thank you so much for coming in here and fielding the questions and, and doing that with Thanks, us. Thanks, Tim. Good to be with you. And folks, thank you so much for watching Heritage Explains Live. It is a pleasure to do this. We love to turn the cameras on when these issues arise, and we will continue to do that. So folks, hopefully you'll come back the next time we're on. And again, thank you for watching Heritage Explains Live. And that's it. That's all for this episode of Heritage Explains Live. Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a comment. Hit that five-star rating button. We love it when you hit the five-star, less when you hit the one-star. But, hey, we appreciate the feedback either way. We'll catch you on the next episode of Heritage Explains Live. See you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.